Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Rutherford, a Dadlow Legal Advisor at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. And welcome to the next instalment of Risk Bites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Annalene Weston to today's talk. And in this edition, we're focusing on I've received an audit letter from a health fund or from Medicare Australia. So thanks very much, Annalene. You're welcome, Mike. The first thing that people ask is, why me? They certainly do. And this is both a simple and complex question to answer. Some audits are, of course, completely random, with no reason or rhyme to the selection of that practitioner. However, many audits occur because the dental practitioner is an outlier. And by this I mean when their treatment code usage is plotted against all the other dental practitioners' usage, either as a whole or the dental practitioners or peers close to them in their area. They're either providing more treatment codes per appointment or more of a certain procedure code type than their colleagues. Through the audit process, the health funds and Medicare are always looking for something called upcoding, which is essentially a type of fraudulent behaviour whereby the dental practitioner enters a code that carries with it a higher financial reward rather than the correct code that they ought to have used to describe the work that they've done. So a common example of this that we see would be coding a profi as a 114 instead of a 111. Some colleagues would justify this by saying they had to use the ultrasonic scaler to remove stain, but you must of course remember that the code 114 indicates removal of calculus, not that you picked up an ultrasonic scaler. Finally, Patients themselves can be the subject of the audit if the patient or their family group have an unusual coding pattern. One thing that all dental practitioners need to be aware of is that some patients will request a practitioner effectively commits fraud by billing through codes which do not appropriately describe the treatment that's been done. So a commonly occurring example of that, Mike, would be if the patient has requested the dentist to bill through, say, 10 fillings rather than the crown because their health fund does not cover crown costs. So essentially the practitioner is going to get paid the same, but the health fund is going to contribute in this case. Needless to say, the health fund will perceive this to be inappropriate billing. So Annalene, are they saying I didn't provide the work? Because I can prove that I did. It's in my records. That's right, Mike. And one of the biggest misconceptions that any third party audit brings is that this third party is querying whether you actually did provide the work. But this isn't the case. The query is not whether you did the work, but rather whether the work you did was appropriate and appropriately described in the coding that you used. Could that patient have, in fact, been treated with a single surface restoration rather than a five surface restoration? Would that have been more appropriate? Was the extraction of the tooth a simple extraction rather than the more complex extraction, including division of the tooth and removal of bone that you coded? The fact the tooth has been filled or extracted is not the core issue that the health fund or Medicare are looking at. What they want to know is whether the treatment was appropriately planned, appropriately provided and appropriately coded. Because if it wasn't, then it's possible that this treatment was in fact provided or coded for financial gain. So I've got the letter from Medicare or the health fund in front of me. So what happens next? 
This is where it can become difficult because unfortunately there's no hard or fast rule regarding what happens next with a health fund or Medicare audit. It's very variable. Sometimes you'll be sent a voluntary declaration and self-audit of a selected number of patients and you'll be asked to have a look by the health fund or Medicare and see whether these treatment codes were used appropriately or whether in fact when you reflect on it the codes were not perhaps applied as they ought to have been. Sometimes after you've completed the voluntary audit, Medicare or that health fund will attempt to claw back the funds from you. Sometimes they won't. It's important to know that as the owner of the provider number, you are responsible for all repayments regardless of your third-party payment relationship with your principal or the company for whom you work. So if you're on 40%, it doesn't matter. You have to pay back 100%. But it's equally important now for the company that you work for or principal to know that Medicare have recently become empowered through legislation to garner she funds from the account in which they make their payment. What this means then is the monies are paid into a centralized company fund and then apportioned out to you as a practitioner who provided the treatment. It may be that the business itself will now be subjected to the clawback rather than the individual. But regardless of all of this, your provider number equals your responsibility. On some severe occasions, your provider number is suspended for that particular health fund or perhaps even for certain Medicare usage as the pattern of codes you have used is deemed to be contrary to the intent of the ADA glossary and the third-party payment mechanism. This is incredibly uncommon and please know that Dental Protection is here to support you through every step of the way with any health fund or Medicare audit and help you deal with the paperwork element to ensure that you don't make any inadvertent admissions of liability. So, Annalene, I've had a look through and I didn't provide any of the work I've been audited for. Uh, the practice has an oral health therapist using my provider number. Surely it's their responsibility, isn't it? Intuitively, that would feel to be the case, wouldn't it, Mike? But regretfully, no, that's not the case. As the owner of the provider number, you remain 100% responsible for the codes that are charged through on that provider number. Many practitioners come to the attention of the health fund because they have multiple other providers, oral health therapists and hygienists, for example, putting codes through on their provider number. And of course, this leads to them demonstrating a pattern of more codes per patient or more of a certain type of code. And this is what brings them to the Medicare or the health fund's attention. When you initially respond to Medicare, it's critically important, of course, that you bring their attention to this in a meaningful way. And naturally, we're here to help assist you with that. The practice that I work in get the front desk staff to charge through their standard codes after I see a patient, and I haven't got any control over that. Surely it's their responsibility. Again, I'm afraid that this doesn't necessarily hold to be the case, as you cannot abdicate responsibility for your provider number to somebody else. Health funds in particular have a very specific dislike for a patient being charged through a standard battery of codes each time, particularly if those codes happen to conveniently correspond with the maximum number of each item code that can be charged through each day. For example, a certain number of photographs or one we commonly see, Mike, a certain number of tooth adjustments. This definitely raises red flags with the health fund because it gives the appearance of inappropriate charging for financial gain. Medicare have quite strict charging requirements surrounding which codes you can and cannot charge and which days they can be charged on. And it's critically important that both you and your practice familiarise yourself with the codes and their usage to make sure you're not billing inappropriately. As you may recall, Mike, many practitioners were caught out in the recent 
CDBS audits of December 2018 and January 2019, when they've been charging through more than four Fisher sealant codes on the same day without using the correct code for the number more than four. Again, this doesn't come down to whether the treatment was provided or even in this case, whether it was appropriate to seal those teeth. It is purely an administrative error where the treatment ought to have been coded one way, but it was coded incorrectly. Now, Medicare, under the terms of their agreement with you, are entitled to claw that money back because you've not been using their codes properly. Annalyn, am, am I going to lose my provider number if, if, the, if Medicare thinks that I've done the wrong thing? This is always possible, Mike but it's not probable. It's not, however, uncommon for health funds to temporarily suspend providers' privilege for a period of, say, one or two years if they deem that you have been using the codes inappropriately. What that essentially means is patients who are a member of that health fund are unable to claim any benefits from you if you provide treatment for them until your provider number is reinstated. So how do I protect myself from this happening in the future? There are several ways of protecting yourself from a health fund or Medicare audit, Mike. Firstly, you need to make sure that you do understand the terms and conditions to which you are entitled to claim that money. Because if you don't use the codes correctly, essentially your claim is incorrect or inappropriate. And the health funds and Medicare are entitled to request a clawback of the monies for the claims which they believe are inappropriate or incorrectly put through. Once you familiarize yourself with the requirements of the treatment, it's also helpful to familiarize yourself with the ADA glossary to make sure that you're using the correct codes at the correct time. The only way to verify the appropriateness of the work you've provided is through your clinical records. And many practitioners fall foul of health fund and Medicare audits by not being able to evidence that their decision making was clinically appropriate. While add-ons such as intraoral photographs can be incredibly valuable in showing the lesion on a tooth, for example, there is no substitute for clinical notes which set out what you saw on the day, what diagnosis you reached, what treatment you recommended, why and how you discussed this with the patient or family. These notes will always enable you to meaningfully respond to a health fund or Medicare audit. So essentially, if you wish to keep your house in order, reviewing your record keeping is a fantastic place to start. Great. Thanks very much, Annalene. That was a very informative uh, uh, presentation. And thank you, colleagues, for listening in. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Goodbye. Goodbye.